Welcome to the Real Talk with Real Women podcast, where we take an honest look at the lies we believe as women and how the truth of the gospel can set us free. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Real Talk with Real Women podcast. I am your co-host, Mary. And I'm your co-host, Brooke. And we're so excited that you've made it to episode number three with us. Um, If you are new to this podcast, we are recapping our monthly women's gatherings called Real Talk as well, where we have been going through the book Lies Women Believe, and they're broken up into topics of different common lies that women believe. And so this past week, we actually met virtually for our Real Talk monthly gathering, and we talked about lies about priorities. So that's what we're going to be recapping today. Um, But we always like to start off with a fun fact about each other or a fun question for each other. So, Brooke, my question for you today is, what is the worst or most embarrassing outfit you can remember wearing? It is very clear in my brain. (laughs) I am still embarrassed about it. So I was a sixth grader. I was just in middle school. I thought I was the stuff right yeah of course when I was in middle school gauchos were a thing (laughs) you look excited I feel like this might be part of your outfit too (laughs) keep going honestly I wish gauchos would come back because those were so comfortable so comfortable so versatile like you could wear them fancy or you could wear them how (laughs) I wore them could you though um well let's see so basically I wore gauchos which okay that's fine that's in style at the time but then I wore my soccer no softball jersey no it was a bright red tank top jersey with gauchos it gets worse what color were the gauchos black so i mean that's pretty soon at least they weren't brown yeah that would be the worst (laughs) (laughs) so um on top so that's already a bad combo but then i wanted to like bedazzle it yeah so i took a scarf that was silver sequins and tied it around my waist. I remember those sequin scarves. Yes. So clearly. And you should never pair them with a softball jersey. No. Um, so, yeah, I tied it around my waist. And then to top it all off, I found the, this pair of bright red chucks in my mom's closet. I'd never worn them before, but they matched the jersey. Oh, boy. So I I went to school like that. And I, <laughs> I looked like a clown. Here's the thing. I think you had two separate really cute outfits going on because if you had done the gauchos with the sequin scarf around the waist and a nicer top and shoes, you would have been looking good. On the flip side, if you had done the jersey with some sporty pants and your chucks, you also would have looked good. You know Just what? not the combo. I needed you back then. The combo was you? not it. Well, you know, where I was is was wearing um, brown gaucho pants, Ooh. Brooke, so thanks a lot. <laughs> Shots fired. I definitely remember, and I wanted these pants so bad, I remember, um, I remember buying them with my mom. So they were brown. Obviously, they were capri length. Was that all gauchos? I'm pretty sure. But, like, I'm pretty tall, and my, my legs are long, so it oh hit, no. like, right under the knee. Ooh. Like, they were not. <laughs> it was, like, kind of a little bit longer than, like, Bermuda short length, but okay. gaucho-y, flowy. And they had built-in bedazzle. If you flipped the top down, they had, like, little studs on them. Wow. And I don't quite remember the shoes I was wearing, but I liked to wear those with, like, a pink top and my classic low-side pony. Yes. A low side ponytail was my jam in the middle school years. Oh, yeah. And I feel like brown and pink were like the 
the combo. Yeah. Either brown and pink or like brown and turquoise. Yes. So like I could have given you a little bit of help, but not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> it's nice to know we were like in the same phase, you know, Definitely. around that age. I know, you know, a little bit of a going off topic, you know, when I look back at my middle school style and middle school hair and makeup compared to middle schoolers today, oh my gosh. It is so drastic. It's it's like embarrassing. Like, they don't have awkward stages anymore. No, where does that, like, I feel bad for them that they're going to miss out on that many, like, those good memories. That's true. Let's feel bad for them. Yeah, I feel terrible I feel for really them. bad for middle yeah. schoolers today. Honestly, they're cooler than I am right now, but that's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to dive into our topic today, which is lies about priorities. And, you know, we think that this is a very pertinent time to talk about this particular lie because we are in this very unique seemingly never-ending season of quarantine um, during the coronavirus. And so quarantine for many people has given them more free time. We realize that might not be you. Um, I feel like that's not me. But (laughs) (laughs) but it has shifted around mostly everyone's schedule. And so, you know, it is revealing a lot about what our priorities are um, and how we invest our time, how we, you know, invest when we're working and when we have free time and so we just kind of thought that this was a good time also to be talking about this even though we didn't plan it that way um so the first uh the first lie that we're going to talk about is the lie that i don't have time to do everything i'm supposed to do and raise your hand if you've ever felt that way (laughs) because i feel that way all the time Yes. Yeah. And so when me and Mary were talking about, well, we weren't even talking. Basically how we prep for these things is we put all of our thoughts onto a document. It's not organized at all, but we had both. (laughs) And then we get together and we try to figure it out. So it makes somewhat sense to you. Yes. Um, But we had both thought about talking about Mary and Martha and that story because, and we're going to actually use this story as we talk through each of the lies from the book because it's so, it really touches on all of them. So there's three lies we're talking about today. Um, So I'm just going to go ahead and read the story so you kind of have some context and kind of see where we're going with this. So this story is pulled from Luke 10, 38 through verses 42. So here we go. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, not this Mary that we're co-hosting with. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be confused. Right. uh, Who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Boom. Boom. So this story in scripture, I feel like every time I read it, I am just convicted all over again. And... I know that my name is Mary, but I see myself a lot more as Martha in this story. Um, And, you know, I really, I really feel for her because this is her home that this guy, Jesus, who she's heard a lot about, um, is there. And so, of course, like, we don't know how much of a heads up she had. Um, I don't know about you guys listening, but like, if someone were to just, someone really important were to just walk into your house, like, would you just go with it? Or would you freak out because (laughs) you've got... You know, things everywhere and clutter and who knows what else. And so um, also she probably wanted to give him some food. And 
Martha just seems to be, like Jesus calls out, really anxious and really just busies herself and um, is doing so with good intent. She's wanting to serve. She's wanting to serve him and maybe whatever other guests were there. Um, And so she's over here doing everything in this room, in this room, and also getting kind of resentful that her sister Mary is just chilling. Like she's literally just sitting down (laughs) with Jesus, um, not helping. And so much so that she complains about it to Jesus, which like, I feel like if it were me, I would wait till Jesus left and then be like, Mary, what was that about? No, but she calls her out right to Jesus's face. It's pretty bold. Well, and I think it just shows that she was really frustrated and really stressed. Um, And so I don't know, who do you feel like you identify with in this story? Oh, definitely Martha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whenever we have people in our home, I feel like it's just such my mentality to like, you know, make sure they have everything they need. And Mm -hmm. um, it just makes me distracted. Like literally it says Martha was distracted by much serving. Mm -hmm. I was like, that is me to a T. Like I can't carry on a full conversation if I'm like trying to clean up your dishes after dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But there have been times when I have been able to like, sit down and focus and just been like okay I'm gonna you know clean up after dinner after you guys leave and that is really helpful but that's I just I totally relate with Martha and like wanting to make sure that he's comfortable and wanting to make sure it's a good experience and how quickly that leads to irritability (laughs) um and yeah I just think it's so interesting like she she's feeling like anxious and stressed and irritable and she forgets like literally the prince of peace is sitting in Mm. her living room yeah and she's just like not experiencing peace yeah I think that this story shows us so much about true peace because um you know something that I thought about when reading this back today is that Martha was too busy doing that she wasn't dwelling she wasn't Mm. taking in the presence of Jesus. Um, And I love how you said that. She's forgetting that literally the Prince of Peace is in her home. Like she does not need to strive. Um, But another question that we kind of thought about, and I'll ask you, Brooke, do you feel like you wear busyness as kind of this badge of honor? Yeah, I feel like so many people in our culture do. Yeah. It's like, if you're not busy, like how are you spending your time? Yeah. Are you really like contributing to society yeah (laughs) if you're not busy um like I think it if you don't have an answer that's like focused on things you're doing um you can be seen as lazy Mm -hmm. or like well what's wrong with you yeah I think for me when I um where that comes out is is kind of that resentfulness or that bitterness like and the book even talks about how social media just makes all of this even more magnified and how if I feel really burnt out in my current season of life and I see someone post to Instagram or Facebook that they had this fun beach day, you know, on a Monday, um, <laughs> I, I find myself being like, wow, must be nice, you know, <laughs> to like have it the time be. to do that. Um, <laughs> it would be. <laughs> um, but, you know, that person didn't do anything wrong. Right. That's a total issue with my heart. Um And I think that you're so right. That's so prevalent in our culture today is just to feel like, what's my next project or what's my next goal? Mm -hmm. Um, What am I working on? And that makes us feel good. um, But then it also, you know, makes us, like you said, just kind of irritable and and bitter. Yeah, I think we look to it for our worth a lot. Um, And that's just dangerous. I feel like that kind of comes back to some of the stuff we've talked in our previous podcast of, you know, what is your view of yourself and where are you finding your worth? Are you finding that and how, what God says of you where it's like you, 
the all the work is done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like we don't have to prove ourselves um, if we're striving. I mean, especially in ministry, like yeah. um, if you're striving to work and prove yourself, like that's not the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. That's just self-righteousness. So it's dangerous. It's so true. And I think that this is no less prevalent in the church and in ministry than it is really in any other area of the world. If you think about it, um, I know for myself that I have definitely caught myself you know, doing ministry things because I feel like it's going to, yeah, give me some type of self-worth or it's going to, you know, prove how much I love the Lord or how much I love the church or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's real talk right there. And, and I think that our sin comes out so much when we are doing ministry without, again, that dwelling, Mm -hmm. we're doing ministry without dwelling with Christ. We're going to get burnt out. We're going to get um, we're going to sin doing the ministry, yes. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that you're right, Brooke, that it is, it's like actually dangerous. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, ministry should be all out of overflow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really getting into the next slide. But before we get into that, um, I was just thinking today, like, what are, what are some helpful questions to ask myself? Like when I, f- I feel like I'm getting in that rhythm of I'm, I'm being very works-based. I'm being very uh, uh, consumed with what I'm doing. So I want to just challenge you, like ask yourself, who is your audience? Like, who are you really trying to please mm-hmm. here? Are you trying to please God? Or are you trying to please people? Um, and you know, like, I think it's important to know what is pleasing to God. And if that's the story of Mary Martha is a good, uh, checkpoint for you to see what is pleasing to God. Um, the second question is what is your goal or motivation? Um, are you serving just to like genuinely serve people or are you serving to be acknowledged Mm -hmm. and to, to seek that worth and um, approval through what you're doing? Um, And then lastly, where's your heart? So um, your heart posture is so important in this. Is it a posture of humility or is it a posture of pride? Mm. So those are some good like checkpoints for you (laughs) when you, when you kind of feel like you are slipping into this Martha mentality. Ooh, the Martha mentality. <laughs> Just Let's, made that up. You that know? was good. So, Brooke, you and I can hold each other accountable and be like, um, you're acting kind of like a Martha today. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, did you change your name? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thank you. I'm on top of it tonight. You are. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, you know, I think that this last question in this lie, um, which really could could go with any of the lies, and a question that we want to get in the habit of asking ourselves frequently is what important truths of the gospel does this story show us? Um, so what would you say, Brooke, where do you see the gospel in this story of Martha and Mary? Uh, just that it's done. Like the work Mm -hmm. is done, you know, and Jesus just wants to be with us. And I think, um, it's so easy to make the gospel more than what it is in that, like, you get saved and then you got to do all this stuff to still maintain God's approval. And he's like, Hey, like rest, like be in my presence. Like I'm, I've done it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think when you, when you kind of add this busy mentality of like, you got to do and serve and serve and serve. Um, it gives a false impression of what Christianity is like Mm -hmm. serving's good. Um, but that's why those, um, questions are important to like, make sure that you have the right perspective and heart mind or heart set in that. Mm -hmm. What about you, Mary? What kind of how would you answer that question of what important truths of the gospel does it show us? I think that for me, it shows me that, um, 
you know, Christianity is a belief system that, you know, kind of says not to work, work, work your way up to God. It's kind of amazing that Jesus even invites us in to like rest with him in general, that we can even have this personal relationship with him. Um, And so all the things you said, but I think that that piece stood out to me and that when you look at this story and where Mary is at, um, she's like filled and she's, Mm -hmm. she's whole and she's not striving. And I think that's what I want so much for myself and those distractions just get in the way. But I think that it's good to remember what a gift that is just to be able to be called into the presence of God and the presence of Jesus. Um, and it's, yeah, it's not because we've done all the right things. Right. And that, um, that really does lead into this next lie, uh, which the lie is that I can thrive without consistent time in the word and prayer, mm. essentially in God's presence. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is that it's impossible for us to be the women God wants us to be apart from spending consistent time cultivating a relationship with him in word in the word and prayer. Um, and you know, like, I think what's so beautiful about this story and this picture of Mary is that she's just sitting at his feet. And that's a really like, I don't know what culturally that would have looked like, but to me that just seems very intimate and close and like comfortable. And I think it's so great that like we, um, we now have access to his presence all the time. Um, And, you know, Jesus answers Martha when she says, Hey, like basically calling out Mary for not helping. He's like, Martha, Martha, (laughs) you never want Jesus to say your name twice. (laughs) Um, He's like, you are anxious and troubled about troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mm. Um, And that that term portion just makes me think of like she's been fully satisfied in his presence. And it's it's a good portion. Um, and that's not going to be taken away. And I think that's so encouraging because we have that same promise of like Jesus's presence is not going to be taken away from us. That is yeah. a promise he gave us to never leave us or forsake us. That's good. Um, and so, yeah. And he didn't say that other things weren't important to Martha. Like he said, you know, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Um, so he I think that's um, also important to think like what she was doing did have value, but like it wasn't the ultimate necessary thing and that necessary thing is just being with him mm-hmm. and i think so i was reading psalm 42 today uh i would say it's a coincidence but i feel like god just wanted me to read <laughs> it for uh before this recording but it's it's a beautiful psalm um it's it talks about having satisfaction in Je- in god's presence and it's from david he's writing um just how he longs for uh to experience god's presence and in that in that time, it was in the temple. That was where they would experience God's presence and worship him. And he wasn't, for some reason, able to be there. He was cut off from it. And he, he just knew, like, how crucial it was for his very life to be in God's presence. And I was so convicted of this because I'm like, I literally have access to God 24-7. And do I have that strong desire? Am I so grateful for that? Like, I imagine David would be, would be elated <laughs> if yeah. if he was living in the time that we are. Um, so I wanted to just read this psalm to you and just so you can kind of get a picture of like what does it look like to truly desire and like view that time with God as precious and, and as satisfying as it really is. So um, this is Psalm 42 verses 1 through 5. Not the whole psalm so you can go ahead and read all of that if you want. But So the verses say, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So that was really encouraging to me this morning and convicting at the same time. Yeah, I think that that, even I hear, I hear Jesus all throughout this psalm. And, you know, David here is really desperate. I mean, he's saying, my tears have been my food day and night. And they say to me, my tears say to me all day long, where is your God? Like, this is some turmoil that he's in. And in the same way that Jesus says to Martha, 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 you're so anxious. You're so troubled about so much. But one thing is necessary. It's like he, Jesus just comes in and he quiets that Mm. chaotic mind that I think that I certainly feel that a lot. I'm sure that you guys listening feel just like you can't get your mind to be quiet and still. And um, maybe you do feel like you're you're crying and your tears are literally like mocking you mm-hmm. saying, where's your God now? Yeah. And all these thoughts and doubts are in your mind. Um, and I think that's just good for us to remember. Not only does Jesus say to Martha and to us, you know, you he knows you're anxious and you're troubled. But one thing is necessary. And then even David like comes back around to it at the end of that verse five. Um, hope in God, for I shall praise him again, my salvation and my God. Um, so it almost reminds me, too, that you can you can have both. You can have both this despair and unsatisfaction and remind yourself um, that God is your salvation and that you have joy in that and you have peace in that. Right. Yeah. Um, something that, you know, my group uh, this past week talked about in the Real Talk virtual gathering Um, Because we read a couple verses in scripture that talk about how the word of God is literally more crucial for our, you know, life than food itself, than physical food. And, um, you know, we kind of talked about how we read that in scripture, but it's hard to see that play out in everyday life. And how, you know, you might, if you're really busy, you might forget a meal or forget to eat here and there. But if you do that for more than like, what? Oh, I was just going to say, my day revolves around food, so it's really, <laughs> I'm, like, I eat my first meal, and I start thinking about my next, but I, I could see how some people might not be that way. <laughs> well, I, I can definitely say I agree. I never forget, but I have had, like, days at work where I do not have time to eat. Um, how does that affect you? Well, I think that um, I, it's just, like, a whole storm of stress on those days, and it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not often, but there's definitely been days there where... Um, I, I just am looking at my day. I'm looking at the time. I got to be this place at 1230. And then I got a meeting at this time. And I'm like, I literally won't have time to eat while I'm at work today. Um, Yo, you know what? Right <laughs> before we came here, um, I was working on this note, our notes for this. And dinner was on the stove, like almost ready. And I was like, I cannot. Fo-, I, th- I said this out loud. I was like, I cannot focus. I am so hungry. <laughs> Yes. And so, I mean, this is exactly our point is that when you don't eat physical food, like stuff happens, you get hangry, (laughs) you get hangry, um, you get irritable, you get, you know, stressed out. You also have like physical 
things that happen too. Like, first of all, you know, your stomach growls. And then, like, I know I get really obviously tired. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go too long without, you will literally die. Um, and so <laughs> why is it so easy to go, like, weeks and months at a time without being in the Word and without reading the Bible? If that's what God is saying, like, my Word is more sustaining to you than physical food. That's mm. kind of crazy. It's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe that. Yeah. Um, because we maybe don't, like, physically drop down dead. Right. If we aren't, like, in in Scripture and in the Word. Um, but, you know, th- I think that there's definitely physical and emotional signs that you are uh, running low. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. So, Brooke, like, what are some things, what are some signs that point you to say, like, Brooke, maybe you need to open the word oh my gosh where do I start um (laughs) okay well first of all I think just a blanket statement I'm quick to sin (laughs) yeah when I when I am not spending time with God and honestly this can happen with just like one day without spending time with God I realize like I am very irritable very quick to sin and I just have this unsatisfied feeling about my day and sometimes I don't even realize like I didn't actually spend time with God that morning Mm -hmm. and so I'm like what's wrong like what is wrong Mm -hmm. today like I feel so off I feel really empty like I feel purposeless I feel anxious I mean there's so many that I could list but um very often it's like oh yeah I didn't spend time with God I didn't center my mind on him um and fill my tank and I'm just running on like my own steam and that's uh that's dangerous and that is not helpful for anyone so, yeah, that's some some for me. What about you? Yeah, I think that again, where do I start? All of those <laughs> all of those that you mentioned. Um also I definitely I get very self-reliant, like I get very dependent on myself to fix all the things. I like go into go mode sometimes where um I feel like everything is up to me and then of course like crash and burn <laughs> sometime <laughs> later. Um things a lot of times feel really heavy. So mm-hmm. I might like just feel the heaviness of the world and my sin and all of those things more extreme. Um, and then we've talked about this actually in previous episodes, but I go definitely to like black and white thinking where either I'm really, really self-righteous and I just see myself as the best and like, <laughs> you know, doing more than everyone else, being more than everyone else and like getting to that prideful stage Um, or I get really self-deprecating and think way too low of myself and Mm. think, you know, I'm failing at this. I can't keep up with X, Y, and Z. And so either that self-righteous end of the pendulum or (laughs) self-deprecating end of the pendulum, um, just all around unhealthy. Wow. Yeah. That reminds me of the, um, episode we did about lies we believe about ourselves, And it's so tied to this. Like if we aren't in God's word and like, you know, saturate our mind with truth, we are going to believe those lies, you know, whether you're too good or you're, uh, you're not good enough. So, but it's so crazy how, like you said, Brooke, it takes so long. I feel like for me to get to the point where I'm like, oh, it's because I have not right? <laughs> spent time with the Lord Yeah. in how much time, like, but it, I asked the same questions. I'm like, gosh, why am I, why am I feeling this? Why am I like this right now? Or why I've just been in a funk the last couple of weeks yeah, or whatever it is, a funk. <laughs> and it just like takes so long, I feel like, for me to be like, oh, duh. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think it's like helpful to like have this kind of symptom list. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I like that you asked me that because it's like, oh, yeah, that, that is a really good indicator that 
um, my spirit is not right with God and I need, I just need to recenter on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at Jesus, um, when in Matthew four, one through four, it's a story of when he was led into the wilderness by the spirit and tempted by the devil. And get this, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And verse two, it says he was hungry. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. (laughs) I get hungry after four hours. Um, And so, yeah. And then in verse three, it's like, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. That would be so tempting. Well, yeah, because he could. I know. Yeah. And so he he could give himself like a cheeseburger. Did they have cheeseburgers back then? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I'm a not cheeseburger sure. in paradise. <laughs> Am I missing something? The song. I don't know that song. Cheeseburger in paradise. Okay. Wow. All right. I, I missed that Le- one. <laughs> you know what? Leave us a comment or whatever you do here if you know that song. <laughs> <laughs> when you anyway. said that, I was like, should I... No, yeah. I knew you didn't get it. No, my, you, if my you face had got blank. it, you would have like snapped. Yeah, there along was, with me, there was none of that. <laughs> okay, anyway, yeah, he um, he could have turned the stones into bread. Basically. Yeah, that's yeah. But he answered, "It is written, man shall not live by bread alone or cheeseburgers, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Um, and you know what? When you are hungry and you're tired and you're lonely and angry. Um, those are really, I don't know if Jesus was angry in this. I mean, maybe like if I, Satan's I like around, I been, yeah. I'd be angry if Satan was just hanging around trying to get me to turn Sin. stones into bread. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's so easy to fall into temptation when those four things are present in your life, hungry, tired, lonely, anger, Absolutely. angry. Um, but what Jesus does instead of falling into sin is he relies on scripture. Um, and so I think that's just encouraging to kind of see like, um, in that moment, he didn't need bread. He needed the word of God mm. to not fall into temptation. And so I think that's a cool analogy to think about, like how how crucial it is, because like our bodies are wasting away, but our souls are being renewed for in eternal purposes. And so to to really feed and nourish that part of our our um, being is so much more important when you think eternally. You know, and that even goes back to how Jesus tells Mary in our story of Martha and Mary um, or he says to Martha, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which kind of makes me think of food again. Right. right? Um, which will not be taken away from her. So like what you're saying, you know, food is for our physical bodies. The word is for our spiritual bodies. And so when you break it down like that, it, it is more important. Yeah, it is. And so in our um, in our small group at Real Talk, we talked about some like practical tips because we, I mean, I think it would not not be honest to say we don't all struggle with like actually staying consistent in our time with the with the Lord. Um, so we actually talked about some practical tips of like how to um, stay connected throughout the day because one thing I think we had in common was um, well there were two kind of two camps. So there's one one camp that we had where like you know you spend your time with the Lord in the morning, you fill your tank, and then you close your Bible and you go on with your day. And you kind of forget about him. Mm-hmm. And so um, with that, some tips, if that's kind of wh- what camp you fall into, um, some tips are, you know, set a timer throughout the day to remind yourself to pray. So um, I thought that was a really good tip to be like, okay, at 2.30, I'm going to set my timer. And that's going to remind me, okay, just spend like a few minutes in prayer. Um, and so another tip is to think of like an item or a place to remind you to pray when you encounter it throughout your day. So it could be something like when I'm taking a shower, 
that's when I'm going to spend time praying or singing. You know, we've talked about the acu- or yes. acoustics there mm-hmm. are great. Um, <laughs> or, you know, like when I see a Coke can, I'm going to remember <laughs> Jesus and I'm going to pray to him. Um, so those are some things. Um, did you have any tips with, with that camp? I think for me, um, this doesn't necessarily help when I'm going through throughout my day, although it maybe could. Um, but when I am, you know, trying to have that alone downtime, um, just with God, I, I find that for prayers, a lot of times I write them down just to keep my mind Mm -hmm. from wandering. I'm not a huge journaler. Um, I wish I was, but when it comes to praying, it really does help me just not drift off into whatever my mind is thinking about right. um it just kind of helps focus so writing writing down your prayers and yeah it doesn't have to be like pages and pages you could write a sentence a couple sentences mm-hmm. you know of whatever is on your heart to pray for um and then you know for me sometimes too i have found like i don't really know what to pray for right now um and so i was taught by someone in college actually to you know, find a passage of scripture and pray through that. The Psalms are a great place to start um, where, you know, a lot of it is David kind of essentially praying. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, picking a Psalm and praying through that, making it personal to you um, and asking God to work in those ways. Um, So yeah, those are two other practical tips if you're kind of feeling stuck in your prayer life or just kind of not really sure even where to start. Yeah, and I feel like what you just kind of described is helpful for maybe people who um, would be in like that second camp of like throughout the day, maybe they think about praying and like they do, they have like small prayers throughout the day or they're just very conscious of God's presence throughout the day, but they kind of struggle to have that longer period of time, like going on a date with Jesus, you know? Um, And so I think that's helpful. Uh, Another tip that um, someone shared in our group was, if you if you need help with that longer period of time is to do like interval prayer <laughs> which yeah, i thought was, was cool. really cool cuz like i mean i work out and so i i'm familiar with that but basically what that is is like a you know pray for 45 seconds about a specific thing take a 15 second break and like you said if your mind wanders a lot like take that 15 seconds and write it down whatever's on your brain so it's out of your brain and then you know after that's done you're going to come back into prayer and focus your mind again So I thought that was really creative. Yeah. And I think it's a good reminder that prayer isn't always this like natural, beautiful flow when you become a Christian. Like it can be so awkward to Mm -hmm. start praying privately, you know, as well as as in front of people. And so um, it's good to remember that prayer technically is a disciplined thing. You know, hopefully we kind of get to the point where it's more natural, but doing these things might like seem a little rigid, I guess, but it's good to remember that it is a discipline. We kind of have to, we have to practice it. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, great. So on to our third and final lie from this chapter is the lie that my work at home is not as significant as the work or other activities I do outside the home. You know, we're all working from home right now. (laughs) Well, not all of us. I shouldn't say all of us, but you're right. A lot more people are. Um, but this is referring to, I think it's referring more to non job. Yes. (laughs) So my work at home, um, is not as significant as work outside. And the truth to that is, that keeping our homes is an important way we glorify God and advance the work of his kingdom. The work we do in our homes is strategic for the gospel. Um, so this was really talking a lot about how, um, well, we kind of, Brooke and I took it as 
talking a little bit about hospitality um, and how do we strategically use our homes for the gospel. And so just to kind of open up this topic, Brooke, what would you say, what does it truly mean to be hospitable? Because sometimes we can think like, I have to have a basket of croissants waiting for my guests. I mean, that would be ideal. It would be ideal. Especially if they have chocolate in the middle. I love a chocolate croissant. I do too. Okay. But yeah, that wasn't, anyways. Um, Yeah. To take it seriously, what does it truly mean to be hospitable? Um, You know, I think about when I am a guest in someone's house and I, I have definitely been in homes where you walk in and the host is immediately like, apologizing for everything that's out of place Mm -hmm. um and is like trying to clean up the mess and she just like you know it's it can be tempting to like be a martha in that situation Mm -hmm. where she's busying herself you know trying to put stuff away and making sure it's um comfortable and she's like still trying to have a conversation with me but i'm like i don't think you even know i'm in your house like you're just so busy you know with the home and so in that situation like i don't necessarily feel um I don't know it just isn't as comfortable versus like if I go to a home and someone's like hey like this is you know welcome you know this yeah. is just ha- how it is um you know there's a mess on the floor from the kids or whatever and they just but w- what's different about that is they've given their focus to me as their yeah. guest and um they welcome me into this like very vulnerable intimate space in their life and it puts me at ease to be that you know to not be perfect and to um yeah, just come as, as I am and not feel like I have to like clean up and like give a good impression and be a Mm -hmm. good guest, you know, and not make a mess (laughs) because that can be really hard to not make a mess in people's homes, especially if you're clumsy, but, (laughs) um, yeah, it's just more comfortable. And so I feel like that, that kind of concept is so important with hospitality is just being like, Hey, you are welcome as you are, because I'm going to come in and welcome you in as I am. And that, I mean, that can be within the context of a home or, just in relationships. Yeah. So I think that's a really good way to share the gospel. What about you? Would you how would you answer that question? I think that I, I think you said it so perfectly. It's it's so much more about the relational aspect and and the dwelling. <laughs> it really is about being with that person who's mm-hmm. in your home. And um, I think you're right. Like it's it is a vulnerable thing. It's a vulnerable thing to have people in your home because let's be real. Probably even if it is everything's cleaned up. Like sometimes I notice things. When people are over, then I'm like, oh my gosh, are they thinking about that? Yeah. Like, I would never think about but maybe they're thinking about it. Like, I don't know. I, I can't really think of an example. But um, just kind of nitpicking my space, you mm-hmm. know, when, like, that is just not just not the point, you right. know. And um, so I would totally agree with you. I think that true hospitality is making people feel um, welcome as they are because you're showing you how you are, you know, whether right. that's messy. Um, I think something that – Brooke and I don't have personal experience with having little kids, but I can only imagine that this lie might be prevalent for some of you who do where, I mean, I have just, I'm, I think about like my babysitting days, which you have them for like, what, six hours <laughs> max. And I mean, I remember being wiped as like a high schooler or college student afterwards oh, yeah. because time with little kids just seems to go really long, like, or really slow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just, um, your constant attention all the time. Um, and no one sees it, you know, like no one sees, Oh my gosh. I remember one time I was babysitting this little girl, a good babysitting story. I have one when you're done. (laughs) (laughs) I was babysitting this little girl and, um, I don't even remember the backstory, but like I, 
they were finishing up dinner when I got there and there was this like bowl of strawberries that I really wanted her to finish because I just wanted her to finish her dinner. I thought that's like, you know, what you do as a good babysitter, like have the kids eat all their dinner. And she really like didn't want the strawberries. And I kind of, I kind of was like, you should really eat the strawberries and try to make it fun for her or whatever. So she ate them. And then like a minute later, she like comes into the dining room and I'm standing there and she does not look good. Uh-oh. And she, <laughs> was she allergic? She like projectile bomb. <gasps> Oh my gosh onto me you just d- just pink strawberry wow maybe, i mean maybe i don't you think that it, she though. was allergic maybe i did deserve it but um you know so obviously then like there's like three other kids running around she goes off running and i'm like trying to clean up the throw up and That's like really trying gross. to get a change of clothes for her and kind of like seeing if there's anything for me because it was like you know on me too you're gonna put her clothes on <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what I did, but all that to say, that's, I'm sure, like, the tiniest glimpse. Because, I mean, those are things, that was a lot of work. And, like, trying to entertain the kids and whatever. Yeah. And, like, no one saw that. No one gave me credit for that. No one was like, oh, you know what, good job handling that throw-up situation. <laughs> um, and so, like, if you've got little kids, I'm sure there are countless moments where you're just, like, you are working nonstop, probably on your feet nonstop, taking care of so many things um that you might feel like gosh what am I even doing like is there any point to this is there any purpose of me cleaning up throw up or like you know putting away toys for the millionth time um so I guess all that to say for the second time on this podcast kudos to you moms yes (laughs) (laughs) all right wait I got my I got my baby what (laughs) okay I never had good experiences babysitting this is I'll make this quick so my very first time babysitting um I could tell that the the kid was throwing up in the bathroom I just didn't do anything oh, to help them I just sat on the couch <laughs> let, okay. him, let him puke and then that was you know distance is best in that case second <laughs> my second story I was I worked for a restaurant at the time my boss asked me to babysit his kids so he go, could go on a date with his wife okay so I arrive they're they're still getting ready for their date I take the kids out to the trampoline mistake number one <laughs> One of the kids could do flips. The other kid was not. So I was, like, <laughs> I was like, hey, you should compete with your sister and like do a flip. What does he do? He does a flip and he bounces wrong. His arms go through the springs. And <laughs> <laughs> bangs his head off. <laughs> instant blood, instant screaming. Oh. This kid looks like he just died. I carry him screaming and bloody into the house. Turns out he broke his nose and his parents never got to go on the date, but they paid me. Hey. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Both of us. Wow. Clearly Brooke and I just like (laughs) messed up any chance we have to watch your kids out there. Um, I forced mine to eat strawberries and Brooke made hers compete and break their nose. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's why we can't keep sourdough alive. We can't keep children alive either oh yeah yeah um yeah where are we at here well we were just kind of talking about how this this lie you know is probably very relatable to many of you if you feel like what you do at home all day every day um doesn't matter and and the truth is that it does Mm -hmm. um and so that's that's kind of what we're talking about um so you know the next question is you know because i'm sure we have listeners out there who don't have kids or are not married and maybe they live alone or maybe they live with roommates um does the home still carry that value for people like that yeah you know what i there's this classic saying 
home is where the heart is. And I know that's really cheesy. But I feel like, honestly, it's a good phrase for this situation because you carry a presence of Jesus wherever you go. Or maybe you kind of dim down his presence in your life wherever you go. But (laughs) ideally, what this is calling you to do, and I think what the answer to this is, is are you displaying that welcoming presence that Jesus displayed in Martha's house? You know, that was not his home, but he created a safe, hospitable environment inside that inside Martha's home but he was the guest there and so you know when you take that presence of welcoming uh, wherever you go you're gonna show people Jesus so true so true so I think that you know kind of throughout um, all three of these lies about our priorities um, hopefully what this has kind of brought us all back around to is that for every single area of our life we we have to prioritize dwelling with Jesus. We Mm -hmm. have to prioritize that time with him in his word, um, you know, meditating on the gospel. And that's, you know, hopefully at least step one to kind of the rest of our priorities in life um, falling into place. And whether you are someone who is unemployed right now, which is a reality, and you're like, I have so much time on my hands, or whether you're someone who feels the opposite and feels like you're drowning with work or with kids or with whatever it might be. Um, we really just want to encourage you guys that investing in your relationship with Christ is going to be a freeing thing. It yeah. is going to be something that lifts that burden off of us um, of having to check off everything on our to-do list or um, serve, 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 serve. Yeah. <laughs> and so I hope you guys are encouraged by that. Yeah. And I think, I think often people can view time with God as something that add to the checklist and it can feel like a burden but I think that's a really good reminder Mary of like it's a freeing thing it's a restful thing to spend time with Jesus yeah Um, so we want to end with um, a challenge and then a fighter verse to leave you guys with and so the challenge would be um, might take a little alone time and you know something to write with (laughs) but we want you to list out all the activities in which you're involved in a typical day or week um so list them all. I mean, it might be a lot. It or, might be or a little might, right Or now. it might not be a lot. <laughs> but list out all the activities which you do in a typical day or week. And then um, rank each activity by number um, of which one is the most important to you. What are, the, what are the activities and tasks that you're doing that are the most important? And are you tending to your top priorities? And um, if not, the kind of extension of the challenge is to think about how can you simplify your life so that you have time for what is most important. And then finally, ask God to help in discerning whatever adjustments you need to make to keep him and his agenda as priority in your life. And so I know for me, a lot of times I can feel like there's no there's no give and take, like everything I'm doing is equal number priority. But I think if I sat down, that wouldn't be the case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and asking God to help with that. If you um, don't know where to start with that, ask him, ask him for discernment and wisdom of what are the things that I'm putting on my plate that you're not asking me to do. Yeah. And can I simplify that? Totally. That's so good. Cause I think a lot of times we can think we're doing <laughs> what mm-hmm. God's called us to do, but like, are we, are we yeah. doing what we want to do? What we've called ourselves to do. I like that activity. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we always like to give you guys a fighter verse. And so honestly, I feel like all of Psalm 42 is really helpful. Um, but especially the first two verses, it just says, 
As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Um, and I love that, it, you know, it talks about our soul thirsting for God because I mean, we're talking about food and like filling and satisfaction. So it's a good reminder, like maybe when you're feeling thirsty, like physically thirsty, you remember this verse and you're like, mm. oh, yeah, I need God just as much as I need water. I need him more than I need water. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a there's a little fire verse for you. Or when you see a deer, you can think about it. Um, yes, you could. <laughs> I have never seen a deer in San Diego. I don't think I have either, but they're all over the place where I'm from. Hmm. Um, yeah, that fighter verse <laughs> on the reel is really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's all we have for you guys today. So thanks for hanging in there. And we covered a lot of ground, I feel like, on this episode. And um, our next topic is lies women believe about sexuality. So start praying for us now. Yes, please. To know <laughs> how to talk about this. Um, but it, it really is a very important topic. It really is. So we'll see you next month. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk with Real Women podcast. We'll see you next month.